directly here tonight through the word. Romans chapter 8, verse number 5. We'll read some familiar scripture, but I believe the Lord would speak to us some things about not only where we are, for some of you, for some of you it will speak to where you've been and you'll get greater understanding. For some it will speak to where you may not have been yet, but it will give you something in your spirit for when you go there you'll know. Amen? That's the way the Word of God is. It doesn't always speak to where we are. Sometimes it speaks to where we've been, and we get greater understanding and renewed hope and recognition the hand of God was there. And sometimes it speaks to where we are not yet, so that when we face those things or when we come into that place, we draw on the living Word and go, Ah, I remember. And then sometimes it's right for where we are. And in the body of Christ, in a congregation of people like us, an ecclesia, the church, ecclesia, the assembly, uh, oftentimes what happens is we are all in different places. Amen. And so the word of God speaks to us, but it's relevant because his word is living. Romans 8 chapter, or Romans chapter 8 verse 5. For they that are after the flesh or pursuing the things of the flesh. They mind the things of the flesh. They give their thoughts to it, their attention to it. Their they, they, they care about and worry about all the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God, the things of the Spirit. They that are after the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. Their thoughts are on the things of the Spirit. They're looking for the things of the Spirit. They're pursuing. That's, that's where their heart is. So we can find out whether we're after the flesh or after the spirit by what we give our mind, attention, effort, and energy to. Because we mind what we're after. That's what he's saying. Amen? Verse 6. Now watch. Why would the spiritual mind the things of the spirit? Because or for to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. You go, man, I just don't have any life. That could be the problem. You're minding earthly things. And you'll never find life minding earthly things. Doesn't mean we dismiss responsibility. It's not what the scripture's talking about. Okay? I, I have a job I have to show up for. But I'm ever sensitive, hopefully, trying to be, not always. I miss the mark just as much as anybody else, I'm sure. I'm human. But I'm trying to mind the things of the Spirit on my job so I have a sensitivity and awareness. So he's not saying, oh, you can't even think about earthly things. No, we have to live in the world, but we need to walk in the Spirit. Okay. For to be carnally minded or minding always the things of the flesh is death. But to be spiritually minded, that's life and that's peace. You want peace in your life? Mind the things of the Spirit. Well, yeah, but I... Mind the things of the Spirit, and He'll give you peace and wisdom for the things that would try to bring anxiety or fear into your life. Mind the things of the Spirit. Now, watch. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That literally means my carnal reasoning, my carnal thinking, it opposes God. There is nothing about my human reasoning that will align with God. This is why the writer of Proverbs could say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Your own understanding is the carnal mind. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, he said, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Amen? Now, the carnal mind is enmity. It opposes God. Why? Because it's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. You can never and I can never get my human reasoning to come in alignment with the law of God. It won't happen. This is why I need to be led of the Spirit. And you say, well, but man, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure I'm hearing from God. Then you know what you do? 
What does the word direct? What does the word say? What's the wisdom and instruction of the word of God for the matter? What does the word teach me about that concept, that subject, that thing? Then I'll hear from God. Amen? Okay. So we're not staying here, but you need to see this. This is the foundation of what we're going to expand on here in the word, I believe. Okay. Um, Verse 8. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. All right? I don't care how much good food Martha made. You know that story, right? She was cumbered about much serving. Mary was at his feet. She couldn't please God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Hear me. This is why social justice, when it's man's idea and man's effort trying to do and be good, it may make a difference for some people, but that doesn't mean it pleases God. Does that make sense? I can make sandwiches every Saturday and walk down First Avenue and pass them out. But if I'm just doing that because I'm trying to do good, but I'm not following the leading of the Spirit in that, I'm operating in my flesh no matter how good my intentions are. Making sense? So they that are in the flesh can't please God. Now, I could make sandwiches and say, Lord, I'm just wanting to do something for you. I see in your word that this is something you'd like me to do. Lord, is this okay? I'd pray about it. I'd be like, no, I got peace. I'm going to go ahead and do it. So, but we got to know we can't do anything in our flesh that will please God. Okay. That's what the Pharisees did. They tried to opt, they kept all the law, but they were always operating in their flesh. I thank God that I'm not like those sinners, they said. They were operating in their flesh. Okay, If you and I walk in our flesh, I don't care how much we got it together and how put together we look and how good we think we are, if we're operating in our flesh, we're not pleasing God. It's not my word. That's his word. So this is why we must walk in the Spirit. Okay? Thank God for verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's why you need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If so be the Spirit of God dwells in you. doesn't say if you feel the Spirit of God. If He dwells in you, He lives there, He abides there. If the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 10. And if Christ be in you, The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Skip down to verse 13 for time. For if you live after the flesh, you're going to die. But if you, through the spirit, you and I can't do this in our own ability. Through the spirit, we mortify the deeds of the body. You shall live. How does the spirit mortify the deeds of the body? I'm glad you asked. We're going to get there. Do you want that to happen? Do you want that to happen? Okay, you said yes. So does he. And we're going to see how he does it. If you live after the flesh, you're going to die. But if you, through the Spirit, can't do it through our flesh. It takes a work of the Spirit to mortify the deeds of the body. But here's the thing. If the Spirit mortify means to kill. If the Spirit kills the deeds of my body, I live. That's what I want to do. I want to live. Verse 14, the one verse we know. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
And if children, then we're heirs and we're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Christ. Watch, because here we go. Anybody want to be a joint heir with Christ? Amen, amen. Okay, me too. We're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with Christ if, everybody say if. That's a big word. We are joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him. You and I cannot be a joint heir with Christ if we do not suffer with him. Suffering is part of his process so that we can become heirs. The Spirit of God leads you and I into places of suffering in order to mortify the deeds of the body. A few verses ago, we said we wanted that. I'm telling you how he does it. Suffering mortifies the deeds of the body by the Spirit so that we live. You're going to see this. I'm going to show you. The Word of God is going to show us. If we suffer with him, we'll be joint heirs. That we may, but watch, it doesn't stop at the suffering. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We go, oh, I don't want to suffer, but I want to be glorified with it. Don't you? Can't do it without suffering. With him. This is part of God's plan. Now, don't despair. You want the plan of God for your life, don't you? I sure do. So suffering is part of his plan. But watch verse 18. This gives us greater clarity. For I reckon, or I suppose, or I've come to understand, that the sufferings of this present time, when I go through in my life, whenever I'm suffering, it's not even worthy to be compared with the glory which is going to be revealed in us. This is going to be revealed in Christ. It's going to be revealed in us. So suffering leads you somewhere. We're going to be glorified together. But he says, the suffering I've... Paul, who's writing this to the Romans, he suffered a little bit. He's got a little experience under his proverbial belt, if you will. And he's saying, hey, I reckon the sufferings of this present life, they're not even on the scale compared to the glory that's being revealed. You look at a life used by God where you see the glory of God emanating from that life. You see the glory of God manifested through that life. I promise you, there's been suffering along the way. Why would God do that? Because you get a life that hasn't suffered and the glory of God begins to shine through it. That life doesn't know what suffering brings and they begin to take the glory to themselves. Hebrews 5 and 8 tells us that even God, the Lord Jesus Himself, the Son, though He was the Son, learned obedience through the things he suffered. And it's no different for you and I. We learn to be obedient to the will and the voice of God through suffering. Because when things are going well, we'll gladly obey God. But we learn if we're really really willing to be obedient when we're suffering. You know what? I don't want to suffer. I'm just going to go feed my flesh because I'm going whatever I'm going through right now, i got to find a way to appease this suffering. You're going to be obedient to what he asks you to do. Please stay with me. I feel like I got to say this now so nobody disconnects or starts struggling. Suffering is temporary. The glorification is eternal. Weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Somebody hear that. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Pray with me right now.
In the name of Jesus, open our understanding, Lord. Open our understanding, Lord. The adversary wants us to fear suffering. The adversary wants us to run from suffering. Our flesh doesn't like to suffer. I'm, I'm just, I'm, you're getting ready to get some deep revelation right here. Brace yourself. You might want to write this down. Dying is painful. You'll probably remember that. Dying to ourself is painful. But we just read all these things about living after the flesh versus living after the spirit. That's why we had to read through those verses before we got to this about suffering. Suffering brings the mortifying of the deeds of the body. It kills those areas in my life that he knows. If I don't get those things in their life destroyed, their motive will be impure. Their agenda, they'll start serving their own self in the, in the guise of doing things for God. They'll start getting lifted up in themselves. So I've got to let suffering mortify some things in their life. I'm going to mortify the deeds of their body by the Spirit. How does We, we would like the Spirit to go, oh, the Spirit of God is just going to come in and mortify it. Thank you, Jesus, for the work of the Spirit. Mortify that. No, that's not how it works. The Spirit of God leads you and I into seasons and circumstances and things and situations in our life that bring suffering that begin to crucify those things. That's how great His desire is to use you. How many ever... I don't know if I should have you raise your hand. Yeah, let's do it. How many of you ever, for some space of time, I'm not saying you're fully committed right now, but how many of you for some space... Maybe some of you are really committed right now. How many of you have ever committed to the gym and working out? Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, I, I know you can't tell. But. Some of you heard me say it before. I'd lift weights if they weren't so heavy. Right. And I remember when I was in high school, I took a weight training conditioning class. I weighed the most then that I ever weighed because I was lifting weights. Don't worry, I wasn't much. I was the same size as I am right now. I just weighed more because muscle weighs more. And so I remember the first few weeks. Oh, my goodness. Brother. I was walking like this. We go, anybody know? Anybody, can anybody relate? Man, I thought my arms were going to fall off. My legs. I'd get in that squat rack and I'd be under my breath. Oh, Jesus, just help me get back. Thank God for spotters. Help! Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why would anybody put themselves through such pain? Now, look, you're laughing, but you've done it. Can anybody relate? Why would we put ourselves through such pain? Oh, because I know. What's the saying? No pain, no. Aha, you've heard that. Why would people choose to do something that causes them pain? And then they get to a point and they're like, you know what? I want to go further. <laughs> That's not me. I know you can't tell, but. And so what do they do? They inflict more pain on it. Go till it burns, I've heard somebody say. Why? No pain, no gain. Okay. Isn't it? It's sort of funny, isn't it? But we understand that in the natural. But in the spiritual, we're a bunch of wimps sometimes. God's trying to take us through something. Oh, God, I don't want any pain. I thought living for you would be pain free. Stand in the natural. Let the Holy Ghost and the Word of God reach into your life and do it in the spiritual. There are some things He takes you through. And what's they, they tell me I'm, I'm not a 
I don't, I don't have all this figured out. I did take anatomy and physiology, but I, they tell me that all that lifting of weights, what's happening early on is there's lactic acid. Is that the right word? All you medical people see, I got to be careful. We got so many nurses and all this stuff in here. I say the wrong thing. I'll be, right. So lactic acid, they tell you what gets in there and that's what causes the hurt to you sort of work that out. Something like that. Something happens to it, right? Something happens to it that wasn't happening to it that gets it to a place where it doesn't hurt so much anymore. There you go. That's my scientific explanation. Right? But you understand, that's why they call it working out. You're working some things out to work some things in. Understanding there's a product along the way if I'll stay committed to the process. And there is... I don't know anybody go, yeah, I'm sure there's some crazy people. Like, oh man, I love the burn. Well, that's just dumb. Okay. I don't know that you love the burn. The burn is just an indicator to you that you're getting somewhere and you like to know that you're getting somewhere. That's what I think. I don't think anybody goes like, oh, this hurts so much and I love it. No, you don't. You go, you may be saying that, but really what you're saying is this is telling me I'm getting somewhere. I recognize the resistance I'm facing shows me that I'm getting somewhere. We understand that in the natural. This is why suffering happens in our life in the spiritual. No resistance, no growth. And so the Lord brings circumstances. The Spirit of God brings things into our life. And what it does is it causes these things to be worked out. I'm going to give you an example. You've heard me talk about it. I'm not going to go through all the story. I'm just going to, you, if you've never heard it, oh well, talk to me later. You've heard me mention through the years or on the journey, about four years almost that my wife and I went through in our family financially where we didn't know where the next meal was coming from. We thought we were going to lose our house, the car we had. We just, all these things consuming my mind regarding our finances. It was suffering financially for four years. It was suffering. The Spirit of the Lord did that. I came out of that season. We came out of that season. And I was praying and thanking God. And I realized what the Lord had been doing after the fact. Usually don't understand what the suffering is accomplishing until after the fact. You may get a glimpse. But I got a revelation and an understanding of what the Lord was doing. And I remember praying and saying, God, forgive me that you had to take me through that to teach me to trust you. But thank you for loving me enough to take me through it. Because I want to trust you. And can I tell you, since that time, 22 years ago, when the Lord has taken us into seasons or asked us to step into something where we had to trust Him, it was far easier than it was 22 years ago. Why? I learned obedience through the thing I suffered Suffering produces things in us, and it takes things out of us. Suffering, what, here's what the issue was in my life that had to be mortified. I thought I could take care of myself. I had always worked well, made a good income, climbed the corporate ladder, and I had just become, I didn't even realize, I had become confident in my own ability to make a living. See how subtle that is? Because it's good. As men, we should work. A man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, the Bible says. It's in there. Trust me. Go look it up. Scripture says, if I don't provide for my family, I'm worse than an infidel. That's in there, too. And so, I know I'm supposed to be working, but he's my source. Suffering brought clarity to where I may work for a credit union now, but he's the source. He's the source. 
I learned that through suffering. We want faith. We don't want suffering. Suffering is the plan of God because it develops stuff in us. Hurry with me to the book of Philippians chapter 9. Philippians chapter 9, verse 10. This is important. No, there's not a Philippians chapter 9. Why did I put Philippians 9? <laughs> Philippians 3. I wrote 9, but I know it's 3. You guys are like, what? Philippians chapter 3. Let's just jump down to verse 10 for sake of time. Philippians 3 and 10. Paul said that I may know him. Anybody want to know him? I do. I want to know him. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Anybody want to know the power of his resurrection? And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable to his death. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Here's another great revelation for you. You can't resurrect from the dead if you're not dead. Remember? If you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall what? Live. Paul understood, if I'll fellowship his sufferings and I'll be made conformable to his death, then by some means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. If I want to walk in spiritual abundant life, I've got to be willing to be made conformable to his death. The only way to die to things is suffering. Hear me, dying is suffering. Dying is suffering. And so the Lord uses suffering to kill things, mortify things in our flesh so that we will not depend on our flesh. You've heard me talk about the the four years I went through feeling like I thought I was losing my mind, battling depression, dark places, not even sure I could hear from the Lord, didn't even know if I was saved, it was just all this, what was happening. I'll tell you what happened when I came out of it. I realized the Lord was saying, oh, you think you can think well. You think you you think you got just good ways that you think you're smart. I'm going to show you how fragile your mind is. You're going to either lean on your thoughts or you're going to lean on my thoughts. You're going to be dependent on your wisdom or you're going to lean on my wisdom. You're going to look for earthly wisdom or you're going to look for wisdom from above. What did, how did I learn that? I had to learn that through suffering. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And I'm not saying everybody has to go the course I did. You understand? We're all framed differently. But the Lord knew the only way I'll destroy his dependency on his own opinions and ideas and thinking is if I bring him to a place where he recognizes how fragile his mind really is, and he'll lean on me completely for thoughts and wisdom and direction. I didn't learn that by reading here. I had to, I had to suffer. I'm not pinning roses here. I'm just giving you an example. We learn to walk in the Spirit by dying to the flesh. And in my experiences, the Lord knows our frame. And so he knows, well, how come he deals with you that way? But how come he's dealing with me with this? Well, because he knows what really needs to die in you. And it may be different than what really needs to die in me or your brothers. This is why we don't compare ourselves amongst ourselves. But that season of suffering in my mind produced in me a far greater and eternal work of glory because he can be glorified now rather than me thinking I got it together and I can have the thoughts and getting or seeking or falling in the trap of self-glory. Does that make sense? Suffering does this. This is the plan of God.
because it destroys things in our life that hinder the flow of his spirit and our ability to walk in the spirit. I'll say it again. Suffering is temporal. The revealed glory of God is eternal. First Peter chapter four. Verse one. Read the whole book of 1 Peter. We could, and it, would, it all touches on all this. You read it, and the Lord will continue to reveal things to you about this if your heart's hungry to receive it. But for sake of time, 1 Peter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, notice Christ suffered in his flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. What does that mean? It means I need to be thinking the way he was thinking. He understood he had to suffer for us. So I put on the mind of Christ. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh, watch what the result of that was. He hath ceased from sin. How did he cease from sin? He wasn't living after the flesh anymore. Now we know he was without sin. But here he's talking about us. He that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. The sin I used to walk in, in an area where suffering brought death, I don't fall in that trap anymore. Sometimes I get questions about like, or not questions, statements, thoughts. Some have the idea that I'm so focused in terms of many things regarding stewardship because of the fact that I'm a banker or I work in the financial industry. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. it has nothing to do with it. I'm so focused on biblical stewardship because of what I suffered for those four years when I was 22 years ago. I purposed God. By your grace, I'll never go back to this place again. I truly repented. I had a change of how I thought about it. How did that true repentance come? Godly sorrow produced repentance and that not to be repented of. That's the scripture. Suffering brought me to a place that said, dear God, I can't believe the thinking that got me into this place. And I never want to think that way again. I want to think according to the word. I was thinking in the world's wisdom. I just taken in the world's thinking because school and environment and. But the word said. You with me? Suffering. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men. But to what? Aha. To the will of God. When I get the mind of Christ that says, Lord, whatever suffering you have to take me through to bring me to the place where I don't lean on the arm of the flesh... I no longer put my trust in the flesh to my own desires. Suffering brings us to that place that we live to the will of God. You see why Romans 8, those verses we read, were so important between the flesh and the spirit. Suffering brings us. This is the plan of God. You say, well, how long do I have to suffer? <laughs> I know how long you have to suffer. As long as it takes to kill that thing in your flesh. Sometimes we bail on the process. And God in his great mercy. We pray, oh God, deliver me from this. Take this away. Change it. And the Lord's the scripture says he'll give you the desires of your heart. Is that what it says? 
we always think that's good. That's not always good. I don't want the desires of my heart. I want the desires of his. But he'll give you the desires of your heart. But he'll send leanness to your soul. And so what happens? We pray, God, get me out of this. And he says, okay. And we come back to that again. Many of you have lived long enough to know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, why am I here again? Some of you right now, you're going, oh, my. This is making sense. Why am I here again? God's not. And here's the deception of the enemy. God's punishing you. No, he's not. He's trying to deliver you. I have watched. I hope they don't mind this. I don't think this has been done in a corner, so I don't think they'll mind. I'm going to go into a bunch of detail, but. I have watched the spiritual growth exponentially in Brother Reuben and Sister Vanessa's life as they've navigated the suffering they've had to endure with their son. It's a testimony to all of us. And the beauty of watching God's joy be there in the midst of all that is a testimony to us. But I've watched it have a work in their life as they've navigated it. They're in a totally different place than they were two years ago. Is that a fair statement? The peace they walk in doesn't mean that every once in a while something doesn't grip their heart. That's human. But the peace they walk in, the assurance of faith they walk in, the steps that I've watched it. Didn't come because of their great, great, great faith. They had faith. Their faith was in God that he was with them and he was, but it came through suffering. And some things they would have leaned on, they don't lean on anymore. And it's brought exponential spiritual growth in their life. And I'd say probably all of you in this room could tell some story where you can relate. This is what God uses to bring us so that we live the rest of our lives to the will of God rather than to ourselves. Okay, I got to hurry. Skip down to verse 12. Peter's still writing, same context. He's talking, beloved. Now he's not saying, miserable child that I'm getting ready to punish. He said, beloved. Get that? It's important. Beloved, think it not strange. Don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Doesn't that sound just like, why am I going to, I don't understand. This is so, I don't, no, no, no. Peter said, hey, you're loved. Don't think it's strange that this is trying you. Don't think some strange thing's happening to you. Notice there's a colon there. He's going to give us more, verse 13. But what are we supposed to do instead? What? I'm in a fiery trial and I'm supposed to rejoice. Do you want to obey the word? But rejoice. Why are you rejoicing? Notice, here's the key. You're not rejoicing because of your trial. You're rejoicing because you recognize I'm a partaker of Christ's suffering. I'm identifying with Christ. And so for that reason, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice because I'm partaking in his suffering. And that must mean he's taking me somewhere. He has a plan for my life that I don't see yet. And so I'm going to rejoice in the midst of my suffering. This is why Paul said, he's, remember, remember the first Corinthians, Paul said, I got this thorn in my flesh. Wasn't in his spirit, it was in his flesh. I got this thorn in my flesh and I prayed, Lord, take it away from me. Lord, remove it from me. Lord, take it. He said three times, I sought the Lord to remove that thorn in my flesh. And the Lord answered him and said, no, I'm not changing what you're suffering in your flesh. What you're dealing with in your life, I'm not changing. But Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. 
you're either going to think you got to be delivered or you're going to trust in my grace. You're going to trust that my grace is enough in the midst of your trial. You're going to trust that my grace is enough in the midst of your storm. You're going to trust in my, you're either going to trust in my grace or you're going to step back and operate in the arm of the flesh to get yourself out of it. You can trust my grace. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. It's the word of the Lord. And notice Paul's response. He says, most gladly, therefore. That sounds like rejoicing. He said, most gladly, therefore. He said, I'll thank God for my infirmities. What? He got a perspective. I'll thank him for my infirmities. I'll thank him for my suffering. But notice he didn't stop there. He said that the power of God or Christ may rest upon me. I take glory in my infirmities, he said, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He learned if I fellowship his suffering, I come to know him in the power of his resurrection. Are you hearing the word of the Lord tonight? Now, I don't even know what verse I'm on. Oh, it's a good thing. Rejoice because you're partakers of Christ's suffering. Watch that when his glory shall be revealed. That's like what Paul was saying in Romans 8. I reckon the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Peter's saying the same thing. Inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory will be revealed, you'll be glad with exceeding joy. That's after the suffering. Verse 14, I think. Yeah, verse 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Why are you happy for reproach? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. He said, hey, I'm not talking about suffering for wrongdoing. Don't classify that as God doing that. That's poor choices. That's the results of sin. He's saying, don't suffer as a murderer, a thief, evildoer, busybody, and other men's matters. Verse 16, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Give God glory in the midst of what you're going through, knowing that he's doing something. Skip down to verse 19 for sake of time. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, Suffering takes you to the place to produce so your life is lived in the will of God. And when we suffer, we understand it's according to the will of God. Let it be according to the will of God. And let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. What does that mean? When I'm suffering, I don't go, I just can't do anything right now. I made that mistake of withdrawing. When the Lord took us to Arkansas, I was mad at God. I resented him. I really did. I resented him. I wanted to be here. Great things were happening here. And I did not want to leave. And God said, go. And we went. Miserable. Because I was having a pity party. having a pity party five person family living in a single wide trailer with my aunt and uncle no job no home I'm not complaining I was feeling sorry for myself I was complaining then not anymore I wasted the first year there because I was withdrawn because of my suffering. I was going to church. I was praying. I was reading the word. But I wasn't being effectively used by God because I was withdrawn to self because of my suffering. And when I repented, the next two years, God just continued to do things. 
Suffering is not an excuse to withdraw from God using you. All right? Sometimes he does his greatest work through you then because you really have no confidence in yourself. I'm hurrying to finish here. I really am. First Peter 5, go to verse 6. The whole thread of First Peter's suffering. But it's because of what's on the other side of it. There's something on the other side of it. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Hear me. There is nothing that will make you and I humble ourselves like suffering. I'll point back to that example I gave from 22 years ago when we went through that whole financial situation and not. Do you know how humbling it was to ask for help? To me, it was very humbling. Well, that's pride. That's pride. So I had to humble myself. Suffering will cause you and I to humble ourselves or it will cause us to bow up with pride and put on a false front and act like and carry out and get an attitude and start closing people out and start, which is just revealing I'm not getting my way. And so I'm mad at God. Or I'll humble myself. This is what should happen. And suffering can do this. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7. Casting all your care on him, for he careth for you. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. He's walking about. He wants to see who he can devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Look, when you're suffering is when the adversary is going to try to come against you more than ever. Resist him steadfast. How? In the faith. Faith that God's in control. Faith that God give you a real example that you know from Scripture. Remember Christ, Luke chapter 4? He's in the wilderness. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. Forty days, no eating, hungering, fasting. When did Satan show up to tempt him? After he'd been fasting for 40 days. Yeah? After. Watch. The adversary's coming in. What did he stand on? The Word. The Word. The Word. You think he wasn't hungry? Of course he was. The Scripture says he hungered. You think he didn't? I don't know if Satan physically showed up, like there was a physical manifestation. I, I don't know. I'm not saying there wasn't. But the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. I, I believe his mind was bombarded with, I could turn this stone into bread right now. I am so hungry, and I could use this power that I have as God man. I could just, I could just make this right here bread. And the adversary going, "Why don't you do it? Come on, if you're the son of God, why don't you do it? If you're a child of God, why are you going through this? If God's with you, why are you struggling? If God's with you, why are you facing that battle? If God's for you, how come this happened?" I believe he dealt with the battle of the mind. I believe the adversary tempting him, whether he was there physically or not, a physical man. I believe his mind was bombarded. That's how the enemy battles us. But here's what I want you to notice about that in Luke chapter 4. The adversary came and had this onslaught against the Lord Jesus Christ right before he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Sometimes the barrage of your suffering is the greatest right before you're getting ready to come out in the power of the Spirit. Someone take heart and hope in the Word of God. When the adversary, he wants to destroy you, but he can't, and he sees you standing on faith and he launches another attack, take heart, the season's going to turn. The season's going to turn. The season's going to turn. In Jesus' name. 
He wants to devour. Resist the faith of faith, knowing the same afflictions. Watch. Knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after, everybody say after, after you have suffered a while, what's he going to do? He's going to do what? That word perfect doesn't mean like, I'm perfect without flaw. I have no problems. That word perfect means I'm going to make you complete. I'm going to make you whole. After you've suffered a while, the God of all grace will make you whole. He will establish that's rooted and grounded. He'll strengthen you and he'll settle you. Do you know why some people never see that? Because they bail out during the suffering and they go back to their flesh. There's something on the other side of suffering. It's God's plan and design because he knows how he wants to use every one of us. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Stand with me. But hold your Bible and go to the book of Acts. Or you can just look at it on the screen. Acts chapter number one. I want you to see this as we finish here tonight. I have never. I've read this scripture hundreds of times, and I've never seen it this way before. Acts chapter one, verse one. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he threw the Holy Ghost, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now watch verse 3. I want you to see right at the beginning of verse 3. I want you to see this. To whom, this is Jesus, to whom he showed himself alive. Everybody say alive. He showed himself alive after. Everybody say after. He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. You see that? Okay. I'm going to read it to you in a couple of other translations real quickly here. Just verse 3 for sake of time. So I want to read it to you first in the, uh, the CSB. You ready? She says, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. Watch it in the New English translation. Verse 3, to the same apostles also, after his suffering, he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs. In the NIV, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs. Now, I understand he was God in the flesh before he died. But his suffering was the will of God. We agree. Calvary was the will of God. His suffering leading up to and at Calvary was the will of God. He suffered according to the will of God. Arm yourself with like mind. He suffered according to the will of God. His suffering fulfilled the will of God. But his suffering was not eternal. The result of his suffering was the blood that he sheds eternal. He died once for all. That's eternal. But after his suffering, watch, I love that word. He showed himself alive. I wish somebody would hear that tonight. After your suffering. He shows himself alive. Not casually, by many convincing proofs. I, I hear the scripture 
that says, with great witness or with great power, they gave witness to his resurrection, that he was alive. You want the world to know he lives through you? There's only one way. After your suffering, he'll show himself alive through you. With many irrefutable proofs, people will not be able to deny that the Spirit of God lives in and works through you after your suffering. After your suffering, He'll begin to manifest Himself in ways you never thought possible. See, we want the gift of God, the gift of the Spirit to work through us. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the dead raised. It doesn't happen before suffering because I learn obedience through suffering. And after suffering that mortifies the deeds of my body, He can show Himself alive and I'll take no credit for it. I recognize and declare, it's not me that does the work, but it's the Father in me that does the work. It's not me that speaks. It's the Father through me that speaks. It's not me that healed anybody. I simply prayed the prayer of faith and He showed Himself alive with many infallible proofs. Your suffering has a purpose and it's temporary. Let it have its work according to the will of God. You want to be used of God? I want to be used of God. We cannot be used of Him fully and completely without the work of suffering in our life. I want the heart and the attitude of Paul. That I may know Him. That I may know Him. In the fellowship of his sufferings and in the power of his resurrection. If I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, the only way is first through the fellowship of his suffering. I don't know what you're going through, but for somebody, God's in it. Instead of praying for God to get you out. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about an ungodly life. You understand? Talking about the circumstances of life that you just like to, you're trying to live for God. You're seeking to walk in obedience to his word. You're seeking to live a daily life of repentance and submission to his will and his word. But you're just going through it. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And there is a far exceeding eternal weight of glory on the other side. For somebody, don't give up. Because that's what you're battling. There's some of you in this room right now. In the last few days, you've wrestled with the thought of, I think I should just give up. I'm telling you, God's in your miss, in, in the situation. God is there. You can trust him. You can trust him. And so your prayer has to become... God, let your purpose be accomplished through this. Let your purpose be accomplished through this. You know how I know? It's fine if you want to pray while we're talking here. You know how I know when I'm resisting his purpose? When I get mad at him because I'm not getting my way. If there's any indicator that my flesh is wanting its way, it's when I want to get my way. Suffering brings us to the place where when it's accomplished its work, the resurrection power of God can manifest through our lives. That's the purpose of it. Talk to the Lord, would you please, right there where you are. After he suffered, he showed himself alive. And I'm telling you,
after your suffering, he is going to show himself alive through your life. I feel such a witness of the Holy Ghost for so many of you tonight. After your suffering, he is going to show himself alive. This is but a season. This is but a season. He's going to show himself alive to everyone around you. He's going to show himself alive on your job. I'm not saying he's not using you right now. You understand. But there is a depth and a dimension in the spirit and the operation of his spirit through your life. That's why you're going through what you're going through. Come on, it's not going to destroy you spiritually. It may destroy some things in mine and your body, but that's the purpose of I want the power of the resurrection. I want the power and the manifestation of the Spirit of God. I want to walk in the power of the Spirit. I don't want to lean on or lust after the arm of the flesh. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let your mourning turn into a rejoicing. A rejoicing that you have been chosen to suffer with Him. That His glory would be revealed through you and I. In the name of Jesus, open our understanding. In the name of Jesus, give us clarity in the midst of our circumstances. Oh, Father, that you would be glorified. 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 That you would be glorified, Jesus. That you would be made manifest to these valleys. That you would be made manifest to the world. All of my life is not my own. You purchased me with your own blood. We do not belong to ourselves. I trust your process. I trust your working. Here I am, Lord. Have your way in me, with me, through me for your glory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, you know what we like to do is we, we, I say we, I mean humanity. If we're not careful, we like to try to glorify our suffering. I find it interesting when you read the scripture in the gospels after Christ's resurrection. He never looked back and pointed and spoke to what he suffered. Maybe you're saying, well, you just referenced stuff you suffered tonight as an example. Just as sure as we have the example of the word to go back and look at how he suffered. But if you looked at his life, he never spoke about the Romans that crucified him. He never spoke about the ones that spit on him or beat him. After he resurrected, he understood the suffering served a purpose and fulfilled the will of God. It serves a purpose. It serves a purpose. 
but it's temporal. It's temporal. In Jesus' name, God, give us grace and give us understanding and walk with us, Lord. We know you do. And we'll walk this road with you because our desire is that you would be glorified and that men would be drawn unto you, that they would see our works and glorify you as you have instructed in the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God, thank you for being here tonight.